Assalamu alaikum, peace be unto you, and welcome to the Mississippi on the Move podcast. I am your brother Abdul Shahid Muhammad, and I'm your brother Kenneth Muhammad, and we're back in the saddle once again, dear family. We'd like to begin certainly in the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful. I bear witness that there is but one God, regardless to the land, label, or language we choose to apply. We bear witness to the oneness of His prophets and the oneness of the messages that were revealed through them to the whole of humanity. Please allow us 
to greet you with the greeting words of peace, of assalam alaikum. Those words simply mean may peace be unto you. Brother Kenneth, man, how goes it this evening, brother? Oh, brother, everything's going well. Uh, I got no complaints. All praise is due to Allah. Just excited uh, about being back here with you, brother, on the Mississippi of the Move podcast. Yes, sir, brother. It's always a pleasure and an honor to be a part of that, which we hope and pray by the grace of Almighty God. Allah will grow and continue to develop and evolve into a beacon of light as it relates to being an information source for our people for truth, uncut, unfiltered, and for the kind of reporting and information that will aid us in our and benefit us in our growth and development spiritually and to give some guidance in some troubling times because the source from which we get our guidance is none other than the teachings of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad as taught by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Brother Kenneth, tonight, man, I mean, hey, I was perusing through the final call. I was expecting a different meeting tonight, but that meeting didn't take place. So thank, uh, not necessarily thank, but uh, we were going to postpone tonight's broadcast. But as things uh, came out, we was like, well, hey, we're going to move forward with it. And as I thought about it, brother, I went to that most important newspaper, The Final Call. What do I see in there? <laughs> see, <laughs> I was like, there he is, there go my man. Praise be to Allah. And I thought, brother, I said, man, it'll be an, another good uh, episode to highlight the Nation of Islam's prison reform ministry. It is perhaps uh, uh, the most least talked about aspect of the ministry of the Nation of Islam. It is kind of like a quiet storm. You know, and if any, if you're listening and if you know anything about the history of that prison reform ministry, you know that some great men and women came uh, into the nation of Islam as a result of that ministry. And I wanted to to highlight that tonight, Brother Kenneth. What say you? Well, brother, if that's what you want to do, then that's what you want to do. I know last week when we uh, had the brothers call in, and the feedback was phenomenal. Mm. And those brothers, I think Brother John, Brother James, uh, I think uh, Brother Quentin, and of course Brother Dennis X called in. And I mean, just the way they uh, shared how the Nation of Islam Prison Reform Ministry transformed their lives and gave them the sense of clarity that uh, up until that time, nothing had. And it was beautiful, it was powerful very genuine. I just want to again thank those brothers for sharing their story because many, after they go through that experience, Brother Shahid, mm -hmm. they just want to forget about it and move on. But yeah. you never know what your story and how you tell it can impact someone because there's someone going through something somewhere. Mm -hmm. And they may think that it's hopeless. Yes, but sir. if you can show them that it's not, that there is light at the end of that tunnel, then whatever we had to experience was well worth it. Yes, sir. And I, I have to highlight, man, Brother Dennis's testimony, brother, was, I mean, it, it was very powerful. All of them were. But it's something about, it was something about his particular testimony that really struck me in that he was so young being put into that situation and um, just working in the environment, which I used to do, just working in the environment presents mental challenges, you know, the psychological effect of just working in it. So I can't, 
you know, I can really, you can talk about working, but you really can't get the full throttle of it, of those that live it for that number of years. Um, brother, it is uh, something that you may come out and a person can't see the physical scars, but you don't be in those places for that length of time and don't come out s- with some kind of scars that you need healing for. There has to be a balm or a salve um, that you can use mm-hmm. to help you heal. And for me, with the Nation of Islam Prison Reform Ministry, for me, it's giving back. Mm-hmm. And that aspect for me is applying the eight-step process of atonement mm-hmm. that allows me to continue to function mm-hmm. and have something that every morning motivates and drives you to continue in this work because it's difficult. Today was uh, one of those days that had its ebb and flow. Um, I checked my emails, and I'm glad I did. I had forgot I was scheduled to do a class with some of the uh, juvenile Mm -hmm. incarcerated. I love doing that. I used to go in with the MPD COP program. Mm -hmm. The pandemic put all of that to a halt. Mm -hmm. Now the pandemic is over, according to the president. He's saying there's no more pandemic. Mm -hmm. Yet, for some reason, the restrictions have not been lifted. I don't know if they're getting caught up Mm -hmm. or is it by design because we understand the impact of this ministry. Mm -hmm. And since we know the value, best believe that the enemy of our rise understands that too. Yes. And so that high point, talking to those young men and them asking questions and uh we just had a good time, brother. But then on the flip side, we were scheduled to go into a um, penal facility in a few days. And, I mean, you couldn't jump through more hoops if you was in a circus. <laughs> That's what they do. And and it was funny um, uh, during my time and being a coordinator inside of those institutions, I would teach four days a week on their schedule. They would call Nation of Islam Services four times a week. So I'm teaching mandatory, a minimum four times, and then the impromptu stuff mm-hmm. for years, you know, decades. Mm-hmm. But now all of a sudden I'm not good enough or qualified to come back in. And, and sometimes I get in, sometimes I don't. Mm-hmm. It's striking that when Christian groups or these other nonprofits need someone to come in to carry their program, mm-hmm. they'll invite me in. I'm approved probably in 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. But when the Nation of Islam, under the guidance of Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, mm-hmm. we're trying to get in, then it's that circus. Yes, sir. And my thing is, when I talk with one of the chaplains at one of the facilities, I said, well, you ought to put us up to the people to show that what you're doing works. Mm-hmm. Because here it is, we've been released. Mm-hmm. We have not reoffended. We are working men, or what you would call contributing to your society, however you want to address it up. Mm-hmm. But you're not doing that. So what, so what you've been selling, in a sense, is a sham. Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't matter if you, quote, unquote, pay your, <laughs> your debt to society by serving 10, 15, 20, in my case, nearly 26 years, the debt is still not paid. So... We think that uh, we just ought to be through with you like that and try to set up something on our own. Yes, sir. And, and, and you know, brother, you mentioned the hoops uh, that you have to jump through, all of the, uh, the criteria that we have to meet 
to get access. And it, it is definitely by design, brother, because it's been well documented that uh, the nation of Islam has been targeted by government uh, up to the highest levels to be removed, uh, particularly from federal prisons, but prisons in general. And that, that to me, that reeks of the fact, <coughs> excuse me, that reeks of, of hypocrisy in the sense that they want, they say with them, with one, on one side of their mouth, they want reform. They want to rehabilitate. And they've even, they've even taken that language out. But then they talk that noise, but when someone there is actually doing it, now you want that particular group removed. <coughs> I don't know what's gotten in my throat, brother, but <coughs> please excuse me. Listen, <laughs> listen to the audience. You know how you inhale and something goes in your throat. I think that's what just happened to me. <coughs> but my point is, when you they've gotten somebody, they have a group in there that's been consistent. We have a well-documented track record of going into the institutions and offering our teachings, which is self-improvement primarily, the basis for community development. The brothers and sisters gravitate towards it. They apply it to their lives, and they come out, and they don't reoffend. I don't know. I have yet to have a brother that's come out that has have accepted the teachings, applied it to his or her life, and they reoffend. Isn't that what they've been asking for? So it's definitely by design. And when you take into account the fact that they have privatized and monetized uh, prisons, so prisons is big business, and states uh, have contracts with these private prisons in particular, whereby they have the kind of clauses in it <coughs> that the institution or the private prison entity requires the state to maintain certain capacity levels in these state prisons. Otherwise, the state has to pay the shortfall. So the state has a vested interest. These cities and municipalities, they have an incentive to incarcerate. So you've seen in, for, for years now, in particular, the uh, those who run for political office, their platform, tough on crime, is always a part of their platform to be tough on crime. And and I remember brother reading an article <coughs> uh, right after Dr. King was assassinated. It was in the Atlantic. It was under the then Governor Cuomo of New York. The monies that they had earmarked that Dr. King talked about in his speech, you know, check return mark insufficient funds. It wasn't I have a dream speech, y'all. It was he he laid it out at the beginning of his speech. He said, America, you wrote us a check, and our check has been marked return insufficient funds. And the monies that was earmarked to prosecute a war on poverty, those funds were redirected according to this article that I read in the Atlantic in 1998. I think it was that I read that article. They redirected those funds to start building prisons. And they said in that article in part, brother, prisons were recession proof and that they put them in communities whereby you can't hear us? Oh boy, what's going on? Let me see what's going on. Oh, okay. We always have this little problem every now and then with uh, and all we have to do is do that and we should be back. So if y'all hear us, make sure you type a one in there. 
We lost audio for a minute. Okay, there it is. Somebody typed in one. Praise be to Allah. Y'all can hear us again. But they redirected those funds, brother, to begin to fund prisons. And over the years, they've gotten more and more money-oriented and profit-driven as it relates to incarceration. So the whole thing, man, really in truth is a sham. But tonight, Brother Kenneth, <clears throat> I want to celebrate and highlight right, right. the good, the light, in spite of all of the things. Oh, man, this is my brother calling. I'm going to have to get him, Brother Christopher, man. He's calling in. Okay, we got our brother Christopher live on the Mississippi on the Move podcast. Are you there, brother? Yes, sir, brother. I'm here. I, I had a few minutes before I go back in and work, and I just wanted to call you, brothers, and commend you on the great work that you that you all do as far as with the prison reform ministry. Yes, sir. Um, and you never know who you're going to touch uh, who I read the article in the Final Call newspaper this uh, this morning, and I was just like, once again, I like to commend you, brothers and stuff, because uh, our late minister, Minister Abdul Majid Muhammad, yes. always said, he said, always visit the brother on the inside of the prison. He said, because you will have a friend for life. Yes, so, sir. with that said, brother, I like to let y'all keep up the good work. And yes, keep on striving and uh, keep on doing what you're doing. Yes, sir. With the help of Allah, we certainly will. We got Brother Kenneth sitting here, too. I'm, I'm sure he want to at least shout at you and give you the greetings. Uh, that's my <laughs> oh, big brother. <laughs> that's my brother there. Assalamu alaikum, Brother Chris. Hey, Salam, Brother Kenneth. How you doing? I'm doing well. Good. Brother. All praise due to Allah. And I want to thank you. It's one of the brothers. Uh, I remember the first time he came in. And he, uh, he had said he was kind of apprehensive at first. But you couldn't tell because after that, we couldn't keep him out. He came every chance he got, <laughs> you know. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The, the prison, and, no, go ahead, Brother Chris. Go ahead. Yes, sir. And uh, and I'd like to thank our, our student captain in, in Nashville, Tennessee, Brother Andre Muhammad. And he always used to say, uh, he said, I know, Brother Kenneth and, and yourself, Brother Shahid, y'all make it look so easy. And he said, Brother... Uh, you got to give at least two minutes. I said, man, but when you get up there and you're talking to the brothers and they was like, Brother Christopher, I, I remember what you said the last time. I said, brother, I can't remember you, but I said the last time, but all praise is due to Allah. Yes. Because, you know, the brothers that's in the ministry, they, uh, uh, people on the outside looking in don't know how hard it is just to get up there and talk, not for one minute, but not two minutes. For five minutes, I was like, man, that was the longest five minutes that I have ever experienced in my life. Yeah. So I was like, you know, but after a while, they get easy and easy. And I always tell my, my brother that uh, uh, when you meet good people and stuff like that, it's, it's uh, hard. And when the you know, brother captain always say, as long as the brother's doing something good, he, he said, I'm, I'm going to back him. 
So when the, the prison form, reform gala that's come up um, in, this, what is it, November or October, brother? November the 5th. November the 5th, yes. I, me and my my wife will be there. Yes. All right. Okay, come on then. Yeah. You need to get yes, some sir. Yes, sir. as many as you can. Yes, and sir. Him and his wife, that's two more. So have, yes, you, have, have you got your tickets yet, my brother? No, sir. That that that's not gonna be a problem. That's Praise that's you. gonna be done. This be done with. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If but, brother Kenneth won't, he can put that information out. I'll leave that to his discretion. But brother, okay, I I certainly understand. You know, because doing that, it's a labor of love, man. And what I've learned, and just being in the ministry, is that this country never wanted black men to have healthy relationships. In that, That's right. we didn't feel ashamed to tell another brother, man, I love you, chief. I love you, man. You know, and be, and to be unconditional. Because Islam right. requires that you want for your brother what you want for yourself. And the condition that our sojourn in America has put us in, particularly as black men, brother, is that we're always confrontational when it comes to one another. And our That's experiences, right. and particularly in prison, I've always gone into prison and noticed that when you look at the brothers, they are in a whole lot of different cliques. But when you look at the other ethnic groups, for the most part, they're unified. And I would ask the brothers the question, what is it about us that even in an incarcerated environment, we have a lot of different, you know, uh, uh, tribes, if you will, among us mm-hmm. as black men. But when you look at the Hispanics, for the most part, they're united. When you look at the whites, for the most part, they're united. Even institutions has got a few Asians. That's what I have observed, man. And then when I would ask that question, slowly but surely you would see the brothers begin to at least open a line of communication. And I remember, brother, you know, I would come to the chapel. Next thing you know, you see the rosters in there. You see the Moorish Science brothers in there. You even see some of the Sunday brothers in uh, our meeting and vice versa. And that's the power to me of the teachings of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. It's universal. When you go in there and properly administer it to the brothers, they begin to look at the barriers that divide them and go, huh, man, you know what? He right. And, and you see some of that begin to subside among them. But brother Chris, man, we certainly thank you for calling in, but anything else you want to share before you go? No, sir. No, sir, brother. Yeah, I have. Uh, I just you know, had a minute while I was on lunch, and I said, man, I ain't, I'm not doing anything else. I said, let me call these brothers and, and get them the greetings and uh, wish them well. Yes, um, sir. Yes, sir. Praise okay. be to Allah. Praise be to Allah. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum That was our brother, brother Chris. Uh, uh, brother Christopher 3X. Uh, out of Nashville, Tennessee. Brother Kenneth, man, I, I really want, if you don't mind, brother, sh- share some of your your story with the audience. I really don't think you've had that opportunity. In the article, you kind of allude to it. And uh, I like the testimony of Brother Dennis. He went through his. But I think these kinds of, of, of they're not stories. They're actually histories of brothers. And when you see these brothers, you know, and the reality of their now, you would never think that what they just shared with you actually happened in their life. Well, the thing, um, 
you know, it's it's one of those things where we use it to try to help people. Right. Uh, it's, I always tell people prison was uh, somewhere, you know, I went through, but it didn't define me. And I can honestly say this, you know, I had to go to prison to learn how to be free. And it sounds crazy, but I didn't have that until I met the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. And it was demonstrated to me what this is all about through not just one man, but a community of believers. And that's Muhammad's Maz number 60. Now, my story is like everybody else. You know, I remember reading Soledad Brother and George Jackson said, if you born black and male in America, you can almost expect to go to prison. So I lived up to that expectation. Mm-hmm. Sentenced to life from 15, just doing time. However, when I heard the teachings, it changed my whole perspective. And even though um, the brothers that was there, they were teaching me, molding me, shaping me, I submitted to that teaching because they had the character and integrity that when I looked at them, I knew that they genuinely cared about me. Most of the time, people you deal with in that environment, they deal with you because it benefits them. So I had a lot of uh, associates because, you know, they could gain some benefit. But these brothers were, they were deeper than that, man, and they were different. And the nation brothers, they move different. It's their discipline, their integrity, and it's their belief in the one God whose proper name is Allah and his messenger, the Messiah, the Christ, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, and, and the one that represent them in our midst is the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Mm-hmm. I don't back away from that. Mm-hmm. But the thing that solidified it for me, it was April 2006. I remember it like it was yesterday because uh, there was a man that came in. He used to be known as Minister James. But his name at that time was Abdul Majid Muhammad. He, he was flanked by some of the brothers at Muhammad's Maz number 60. One of them was the great student captain there, Brother Andre Muhammad. He had the uh, now minister, uh, Brother Samuel X, and a couple of other brothers. Later, it started being, you know, the dean of the prison ministers in, in Tennessee, Brother Eric Muhammad, you know. But they came in. I mean, to come from Nashville to where we were, that was in Clifton at a facility called South Central. You know, in South Central, man, it was a, you had to be about that life. And, and we turned that institution, man, from a penitentiary basically to a university. And they would consistently come. They started once a month, then they started coming once a week. And we was having the classes. And what they did, they set up a program that mirrored what they were doing on the outside. And I, I, I want to just pause for one second. In this week's final call, where it talks about the, uh, the crisis of water here in America, on page 24, there's an article highlighting the prison reform ministry, and it's entitled uh, Muhammad Maz Number 60 Highlights uh, Nation of Islam Prison Reform Ministry. And it's an article uh, about the prison reform ministry. Mm-hmm. But the unique thing about Muhammad Maz is that that ministry that you said sometimes is, is in the background, mm-hmm. they put it out front. I mean, if you're in that mosque, you're going you're gonna to contribute to the prison reform yes, ministry. Sir. I mean, it's a, uh, the sisters contribute with um, 
either one allowing their husbands to come without a whole lot of uh you know backlash because right. you know women want their husbands but they would support with the uh feast and things of that nature but the team that were coming and there were many as a brother robert muhammad that w- that were coming they would um go across the state so one brother may be at river bend one mother brother may be at west tennessee one be at northwest you got northeast morgan county and it's just this one mosque that is servicing the majority of the prisons mm-hmm. on a consistent basis were there other brothers that would go in of course but i'm just talking from my vantage point right when i was at south central they started coming once a week we had got so strong that we had got a classroom and we were having FOI class. Now, you know, that's the manhood training class. Mm-hmm. And we was in there, man. We were drilling. We were doing the self-defense. I mean, we were jamming hard. And when they transferred me from their jurisdiction, which was in middle Tennessee, they moved me to West Tennessee. Did you know those brothers came down there with the same vigor? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, from that, from the point I accepted the teachings, and the, the Captain Andre said, as long as you with Farrakhan, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. He said, when you break with him, I'm breaking with you. Mm-hmm. And that's been my mantra. And from that, from that point, when you look at the national agenda, the Honorable Mr. Louis Farrakhan puts in there how he wants this handled. Mm-hmm. And Brother Abdullah, his student national prison reform minister that's his desire to do it in accord with the minister mm-hmm. and sometimes that that pace may be a little slow for some of us and so mm-hmm. some of us you know and we make up reasons to do our own thing right. and i'm not saying you're not doing good but there's a process there's a protocol and there's a structure mm-hmm. to to get this thing done Muhammad's Mas number 60, again, from my vantage point, they, they do it supremely. Mm-hmm. They write letters. The ministers say you ought to connect the incarcerated brother and sister to their community. Because mm-hmm. if you locked away, just for instance, if I had no contact to the community at doing 25 years, nine months, mm-hmm. what, 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 what would my socialization be like? Mm-hmm. You know, how would I have been able to cope? You're going to always have issues, but how would a person that has done that amount of time be able to cope mm-hmm. if he had not had a connection to the community? Not only did Muhammad's Mars number 60 make me feel connected to the community, you know, I had input when they had things, fundraiser, where they was going in the streets or when the minister was coming in. Brother Kenneth, do you know anybody in this city? Who do you get that can help us? You know, you know how that would, how that make a brother feel, man. And then as as you know, uh, preparing yourself mentally to get out. Uh, Minister Majid, man, I'll be pleased with him. He would always say, "Brother, you know, just stay the course." He said, "Allah is in here with you." My captain would say, "Call on the God." Mm-hmm. He said, "Try him. You don't ask him for nothing. Then how can he prove that he with you?" Mm. And then you you are facing insurmountable odds, mm. see, because you standing with God's man. Mm-hmm. See, if you was of the world, the world would love you. Mm-hmm. But since you with me and the world has hated me first, then guess what? You're going to be hated of men. Mm-hmm. So all the things they said of the Jesus then and, and the Jesus now, you got to you got to cope with that. You're not well liked by uh, your own. Of course, the administration uh, gonna not, not going to be pleased with you. 
And you got to always fight and fight. So we fought with the pen. We fought with our discipline. And then we overcame the, all those obstacles that was put in our path. Why? We were trained that way mm -hmm. as FOI to meet and overcome all obstacles in our path. Mm -hmm. They would bring the final call in, brother. Mm -hmm. I would get the paper. I get a bundle. You know, for some of y'all, I've been carrying a bundle of papers. <laughs> I carried a bundle of papers in the penitentiary. Mm -hmm. I get the bundle and stand out there when they call a child. So then the brothers be coming out of their units heading to the uh, cafeteria. Mm -hmm. I post up right out there in front. They had to pass me to get into the child line. Mm -hmm. And I'm passing out the number one minister. And I got a little flyer in there telling them what our meeting times is. And anytime I go somewhere new, you only got a couple of adherents that's coming out. But guess what? Mm -hmm. When they hear the Honorable Mr. Lewis Farcom voice on that television, you know, that draws them in. Mm -hmm. Yes, I mean, sir. they get to come in, <laughs> and then and once they in, when we are, we are locked the door. Well, oh. we didn't we didn't really lock the door, but right. we had that door closed. and had a sentinel on it, so they weren't going nowhere no so time. Virtually <laughs> locked. <laughs> but what I'm saying, brother Andre, because this mosque was like a family to me, and they nurtured me. They gave me what I thought I wouldn't get anymore, and that was a sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. Then coming out, the first face I saw was my captain. Mm -hmm. When I walked out, my captain was there, mm -hmm. Brother Andre Muhammad and his wife. Mm -hmm. And we, we took me home. Now, they live in Nashville. I'm coming to Memphis. You know? Mm -hmm. Where they do that at? They don't do that nowhere. Come on now. There's a few places. It's your family. It's your blood relatives sitting yeah, out there, if yeah. anybody. And it's the nation of Islam. This this the nation now. Mm -hmm. This the nation that I that I love. Mm -hmm. Took me home. We uh, I can't even remember my first meal. It might was cheesecake factory. I don't know. I didn't take but two bites because you know I've been eating ramen noodles mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and rich crackers, so I, I couldn't handle. Mode. I couldn't handle it. <laughs> but he said, brother. <laughs> Uh, you ready to recite? Mm -hmm. I would say, yes, sir. He said, you got to recite 100%. I said, I'm ready because mm -hmm. I've, been, I've been waiting on this day all my life. Mm -hmm. And so, man, I, I didn't uh, get out and want to go to the movies. I didn't get out and, and, and say, hey, give me a few days to, you know, mm -hmm. uh, shake, the, shake the trail dust off. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Man, I reported. Mm -hmm. And, man, and, and been going ever since. And, yes, and that's the beauty of the Nation of Islam Prison Reform Ministry for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm quite sure there's many, many other stories out there like this. Mm -hmm. But unless a brother like yourself, programs uh, like this, then how will we know? See, how can they know except they have a teacher? And how can they have a teacher except he be sent? And so I would just encourage everyone to get that final call. You can even go online and get it. Read that article and read what Brother Samuel was saying about how he got started in the ministry and the impetus of it. Call the Nation of Islam Prison Reform uh, team in your city. And listen, you ought to help. You ought to help someone that's going in, not getting faith-based money, it's not a 501c3. They're going in on their own dime, using their own time yeah. to help and serve 
a part of our community that is very underserved. Yes, sir. We have another call on the line, Brother John for X. Brother John. Are you yes, there? sir. Hi, salam alaikum, sir. What's on your mind, my brother? Well, thank you, Salam. I'm feeling fine, sir. I'm uh, enjoying the show, and I'm still over here laughing uh, about Brother Kenneth talking about that ramen noodle diet inside of the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> brother, I'm talking about I know that we had at least 50 different ways to fix a ramen noodle. Brother. <laughs> go ahead, brother. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. But I was, uh, I just wanted to share uh, uh, my thoughts on Brother Shahid mentioning the division among the brothers inside of the prison and seeing the unity of other groups inside of the prison. And I could be wrong, but just my thoughts are, you know, from my understanding that there always have been tribes. We've always had tribes, but inside the prison, they fail to realize that within the tribes that we're still one people and that we can still work together even though we're different tribes. I heard the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan talk about how different tribes have special gifts like this, this tribe might be great. This tribe might be great warriors. And we had these tribes so that they can learn from one another and so that's where they get it mixed up, not being in the tribe, but not being able to work together and learn from one another. And what I learned about the Hispanics, I think that their group was so small that they was left to depend on one another for survival. Mm-hmm. So whenever another Hispanic person would come in, they would automatically scoop that person up and, and tell them, and, you know, give them the lay of the land and he will become part of that group for survival. And I think that black folk, if we were over in a Spanish country and it was five brothers, I think the five brothers, we would be together. You know, uh, you know, Excellent observation. Yes, sir, I think, you know, if, if, if we're some lions and we go past some giraffes and some bears, we will find some other lions and we will go there. And so the politics go, when you first come in, uh, if you don't know the lay of the land, uh, someone will give it to you, and each prison varies. So, for example, if I go to a place, a brother would give you the lay of the land, he, they will have areas carved out where you can actually sit at, you know? Mm-hmm. So you might have this organization here, this organization here, and, you know, the Muslims, we normally would be with a group with more uh, black conscious people whether they might be Rastafarian or uh, maybe from the 5% nation. And then all the white factions, they had a section. And my, I remember my first question was, how did the white boys get a table? You know, <laughs> how, how did y'all even let them have a table or an area, you know? And so, uh, but that's how that works on that. And, and another thing I found different about Tennessee uh, culture with organizations uh, I'm born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri, and when you came into the prison, you were already a so-called gang member. You already had to get a different type of classification by what neighborhood you lived in. That was classification, but when you come to the state prison in Tennessee, you join the gang once you get to the prison. Mm. 
And that's what I never seen. You, know, you come in, you join the gang when you get to the prison. And that was a politic that I had never seen before. And a classification that they don't have a classification where they put you with different groups. But I just wanted to speak to the uh, division. And that was one of the things that, and you know, we, hey, we give Brother Kennedy accolades, man, but it's actual fact. One of the things I learned from him, Brother Kenneth was able to bring all of these organizations together. And we did at one point used to be able to work together. Yes, and I remember the administration had labeled him like a, uh, what you call it? The leader of all the gangs, so to speak. Security threat. And, and, yeah, they called me an overlord. <laughs> yeah, an overlord. And so no, they the didn't, gangs did have been warring, wow. but when they come to service, they still carved out places in the service. But in this tiny uh, area that probably have 60 people capacity, we probably got over 100 people, and you have vice lords. Uh, gangster Disciples, Bloods, Crips, Black Peace Songs. You have every organization uh, all the way down to uh, the uh, Hispanic gangs. Uh, I think that was S-13s or MS-13s. Uh, all of the organizations would be there. And when administration saw that, mm -hmm. I remember them telling Brother Kenneth, uh, you need to pack your stuff or we're getting rid of you. Mm -hmm. But they didn't know that what he was doing was a good thing that kept the prison, uh, you know, at bay a little bit, you know, kept them communicating and working together. And we would even have summits with heads of the organizations to try to uh, bring us together mm -hmm. and so that we could understand what the minister was saying about different tribes coming together and learning from one another. Wow. But I just wanted to say that, brother, because I don't want to take up too much time because I'm enjoying listening to you all. And, and listening to the brothers that's calling in. Yes, sir. So thank brother. you. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for having me on, and assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Brother, thank you for your call. And you know, Brother Kenneth, I, I called to tell in what he was saying about how all of the different organizations was in the meeting, and that speaks to the fact that the universality of the message and the teachings, it, it speaks all of the languages regardless because we can all find ourselves in that teaching yes it's you know, all you have to do is uh once you learn the dialect so to speak yeah and we know that the savior when he came he spoke 16 languages and he could write 10 perfectly Perfect. so that uh would suggest to us that communication is very important mm -hmm. but I didn't have that ability, at least I didn't know it, until mm -hmm. I come into the nation. I, I never did any public speaking. Mm -hmm. You know, I was just like Brother Christopher. I stood up, and after three minutes, I'm looking at the clock and looking for uh, the <laughs> Looking for some relief. <laughs> exactly. But through study and my love, because they transferred me as a very uh, young Muslim it just came into the teaching, so after about 18, 19 months, they transferred me from the group. And so they dropped me in the South Central. I was by myself. And there wasn't any nation. And so someone had to carry the, the, carry the flag. Mm -hmm. So in order to teach, you got to study. So I began to study and study and study. And I mean, I fell in love with studying. Mm -hmm. I would study. I started off with eight hours, 
then 10, 12, like up to 16 a day. Mm-hmm. Not continuous, but cumulative. Oh, no. Right. And I would study all week to give a lecture on Friday. And, you know, back then we had the time slot from like one to almost four o'clock. And we, I I used every minute of it. Every minute. But I I remember I requested this big old white board and some um, dry erase markers. And so there was a brother who would ask me what I was going to teach on. He would put the high points on the board and we would just go through it. And we were really having class. And the shocking part, all of these people that they consider lost, irredeemable, irreformable, incorrigible, mm-hmm. past praying for, hopeless, they be having pens and paper, writing stuff down. It, I mean, it was just festive. And so for that hour, we could unite. Mm-hmm. It was Brother Captain Andre Muhammad that taught me how to organize mm-hmm. an institution. Mm-hmm. And you go after the leadership. And if you get the leadership, then those who follow that leadership. Get the shepherd, you got the flock. Exactly. And so we used it. So in there, we had a methodology that we would use. And we had a curriculum that we would teach the most powerful knowledge of all knowledge. It's the knowledge of God and the knowledge of self. These two knowledges teaches the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan are really one and the same. So we will start with the knowledge of God, Mm -hmm. and that's teaching you of yourself. Mm -hmm. And then the most honorable Elijah Muhammad said, of all the things a man can study, history is best qualified and most attractive to reward their research. So we began teaching history, not black history, Mm -hmm. but history, world history. The brother would have maps, and we would go in there, and we would go in the Quran. One of my favorite subjects well, it was Gog and Magog. You know, we, <laughs> yes, well, we could go in on that uh, for, mm-hmm. for weeks at a time mm-hmm. and proving the teachings. I never used scholarship of another individual to supersede what the most honorable Elijah Muhammad taught us. That's right. I used their scholarship to bear witness because mm-hmm. our people have been conditioned that if you said that Minister Farrakhan said, Ambalaj Muhammad said, say, who, who else saying it? And mm-hmm. what they're really saying, are there any white people that agree and with exactly. you? That's exactly. That's so exactly what they're saying. We'll start bringing in the scholarship. Hey, you go look up, read this for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that, so that raised the consciousness. Right. When a man's consciousness is raised and he's not living the life of a beast, then he's not going to act a certain way. Mm-hmm. Then the next thing that we made important is to, to come with a uh, righteous code of conduct Mm -hmm. so we can say peace but after we say peace then the thing that undergirds and support it is the actions Mm. and then that's going to produce love and it was simple i treat you the way i want you to treat me very simple see i can't lie on you and then say peace can't do that i can't rob from you and say peace I can't try to fill your nose and your arms up with death mm-hmm. and say peace. Not right. You see? That's right, brother. See, peace has to be established. And then a lot of people had this thing. They would say, oh, man, that brother disrespect me, so I had to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Respect is mutual. It's not just because you're the leader of your group and you got got 100 men mm-hmm. following you that you should be respecting and only you. Mm-hmm. Respect is mutual. 
So there's no big I or little you. We mm-hmm. all the same, and we come at this thing. And and to say this, uh, what Brother John was saying about the different organizations, all of them brought something to the table. Mm-hmm. And I would say this, that the black nation was like one big tree. There are many branches on, on these trees, but they produce the same fruit. Mm-hmm. And so no matter where you are, the fruit is going to be the same if we do that. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir, brother. We're going to, in a second here, we're going to take a break. And uh, and as I thought about it, brother, you know, when you were saying that you would bring proof to support the teachings, we have a saying in the ministry that documentations follows revelation, not the other way around. And what the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad has was given to teach us and what the Honorable Louis Farrakhan teaches. Whether we want to agree with it or not, it is, in fact, revelation. And if you would study the pedagogy of it, the progression of it, this world scholarship came afterwards and verified what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught. We'll be right back. We're going to take a quick break and get some commercial messages in. You're listening to the Mississippi on the Move podcast. We are highlighting the Nation of Islam's prison reform ministry. We'll be right back. Four hours a day, seven days a week. Download the Final Call Radio app and take us everywhere. On your phone, on your computer, on your tablet, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also log on to FinalCall.com and click the Listen Live button or FinalCallRadio.com. Final Call, Final Call Radio, the official voice of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. What's your source for truth in news reports? No justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. Where do you turn for non-corporate driven news that's fair and balanced? No Subscribe to the Final Call News, your number one free and independent news source that delivers hard-hitting national and international news coverage of today's political, economic, and social issues. To subscribe to local home delivery, call us at area code 662-252-8999. That's 662-252-8999. Visit our website at www.finalcall.com. The Urban Indulgence Bath and Body Boutique. At Urban Indulgence, we pride ourselves on offering quality, effective skin care. Handcrafted with plant-based, skin-loving ingredients, our soaps and body butters will give you luxurious lather and ultimate moisture. Experience the Urban Indulgence at 3314 Poplar Avenue in Memphis, three blocks west of Poplar Plaza, or shop with us online at theurbanindulgence.com. Theurbanindulgence.com. Thank you. 
And we're back live at the Mississippi on the Move podcast. Once again, I am your brother, Abdul Shaheed Muhammad. And I'm your brother, Kenneth Muhammad. And we're here tonight celebrating the Nation of Islam Prison Reform Ministry. In a few uh, weeks, exactly November the 5th, 2022, in Holly Springs, Mississippi, the Nation of Islam Prison Reform Ministry will be holding its fourth annual prison reform gala again in Holly Springs, Mississippi, where we will be commemorating 32 years of service, 32 years of dedication, 32 years of commitment of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan's student national prison reform minister, Brother Minister Abdullah Muhammad. And we want everyone to come on out and help us give this brother his flowers while he lives. We don't want to be sitting around and waiting until the brother's uh, no longer with us to let him know how much we care and appreciate. If you are interested in purchasing a ticket, you can purchase those uh, through Cash App or Zelle. Uh, The flyer is all over the social media, I do believe. But if you do not have that, I will give you the number. The number is 901-506-7306. And again, the cash app is dollar sign N-O-I-P-R-M. That's dollar sign N-O-I-P-R-M. Also, there will be a souvenir ad program where you can purchase a full-page ad for $100, a half-page for $50. And you can put your business on there. You can put your scan code and have a giveaway, whatever you want to do. But what we want to do is highlight a very essential part of the Muslim program, and that's the prison reform ministry. In this week's final call, you will see an article where Muhammad's Mars number 60 highlights the Nation of Islam Prison Reform Ministry on page 24. Uh, get that number one minister, the greatest independent black newspaper on the planet. Read that article along with several other articles because the final call newspaper is unique and it is by us for us. So that's something that we can share. And as we get ready to close this segment out because there's something that's related to this uh, prison reform ministry because we want justice uh, and we definitely deserve justice. But the Nation of Islam's prison reform ministry, I believe, is the reason why I'm, I'm here today. If it wouldn't have been for the Nation of Islam's prison reform ministry, when I, when I heard that message, man, I was lost. I was faking it and just trying to make it. You know, looking good on the outside like most of us do out here. And the thing about being out here, I I talk with people all the time. You in a a prison, you just don't know it. Some of you are locked up emotionally. Some of you locked up mentally. Some of you locked up spiritually. You're dealing with things in your subconscious that restricts you from being who and what you really could be. So... We all need somebody to proclaim liberty to the captive. And that's what we're sitting out to do. So I just want to give kudos and say thank you, thank you, thank you so much to Muhammad's Maz number 60 for being a supreme example of what this prison reform ministry can look like if the, all of the believers uh, would support it and, and put it in the forefront. What better satisfaction can you get by seeing someone come out of that 
veritable hell, the belly of the beast, and walk in those doors and put on that white garment if she's a sister, or put on a, a new suit and a new pair of shoes if he's a brother, and, and, and start serving in his capacity. And you know what? If we w- would accept and receive these brothers genuinely, these brothers and sisters genuinely, then you would have a believer, mm-hmm. man, like no other. Mm-hmm. You, we, us, speaking from my vantage point, we were thoroughly trained in there, brother Shahi. We were trained to the degree that, and I, I'm not just, I'm gonna just speak straight words, man. Say, I, I'm not a PC is, brother. I didn't have to. I didn't come to the mosque to learn anything. I need to learn how to do it in a mosque environment. Yes. But I come in knowing my geos. I come in with student enrollment, lost found lesson. I came in being taught how to administer the word of God coming from the messenger, and we didn't put no cut on it. Mm-hmm. I didn't take no scholarship from any man that the messenger said he would give two cents for mm-hmm. and try to put it up there and equate it like it was it, it was information, that revelation. That's right. You see? That's and right. and when we was firm on point twelve, we didn't have no misunderstanding or belief in no mystery God. Didn't have it then, don't have it now. I tell you straight up to your teeth, I've tried your God. I've called on about many different names and I got no answer. In fact, I was poor. I was hungry. I was naked. I was raggedy. I was out of doors, man, trying to locate that mystery God. And in fact, the same people that advocated him to me mm-hmm. were the ones that was, man, giving me all the hell in my life. So I'd waste no time looking for that which does not exist. That's right. That's the time. I got no help until I called on the son of man. Master Far Muhammad, that's take right. that and let it alone. Come on, man. Come on. Let's look. That's straight no chaser, and we have to we have to acknowledge the fact, as you was stating moments ago, brother, that some of us think we're free, and I was one of those who thought I was free. I wasn't locked up in the sense that I was in a jail, but it wasn't until I heard the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan in nineteen and ninety two in the uh, Cook Convention Center, it was called at that time. And he talked about the city of the dead. I thought I was living. I thought everything was good. (laughs) Man, when I heard that man, that day I stood up out of my seat because he asked how many of you are willing to help. And I jumped to my feet. So, brother, you are absolutely right. And uh, this, this message is so powerful. And for those that are listening, we thank you for tuning in. And it's biblical. Uh, The prison reform ministry is mentioned in scripture. You can find it where God speaks specifically to the incarcerated. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself talked about it. I thought you was going to go to it when you were mentioning what you were mentioning seconds ago, brother, when Jesus, he uses it as a criterion by which nations are judged. And he said all of the nations, it's in the book of Matthew, about the 25th chapter, when he talks about all of the nations being assembled in front of him. And he would, you know, separate them, the sheep from the goats. And the sheep he'll put on the right, the goats he would put on the left. And on the, to the goats, he would say, uh, get away from me, you who are cursed. You despised, uh, uh, I can't remember the exact wording, for I know you not. And he said, but I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat and I was thirsty you didn't give me anything to drink. I was clothed or a stranger. You didn't welcome me in naked and you clothed me not. But here's the one that he says that a lot of times that we kind of overlook. And he said, I was in prison and you visited me not. 
And that, to me, speaks volumes because we live in a so-called Christian nation where incarceration has been monetized, privatized, where people can invest in it on the stock market now. How can you profess to be a Christian nation that follows the sacred text called the Bible where Jesus uses a criteria by which a nation is judged that the imprisoned should be ministered to and visited, but you monetize it and you make money off of the backs of those who have made mistakes in life. As you say, they've made a mistake, but you have created conditions and circumstances and has uh, socially engineered our community. This is documented documentation. They've socially engineered the black community in such a way that chances are as that, uh, uh, that, uh, stat that you mentioned earlier, brother, a certain number of us can expect to go to jail. And that's not how happenstance. That's by design because they have socially engineered the society against us to ensure uh, that is our fate. So we're expecting someone to give us a call right about now. We hope to hear from her because on the ballot, brothers and sisters, coming in November in several states, and Tennessee is one of them, that there's a move, a push to have, uh, and it's called Vote Yes on Three. And we want our sister to give clarity and give context to it when she calls Sister Dawn. But there, there's a movement afoot to have that language when it says slavery shall not exist in the 13th Amendment, except. So they want that exception to removed, to be removed from it. It says slavery and involuntary servitude shall not exist except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted. Okay, well, <laughs> you got that in there, and then you, you, you rig the society, you, you make desolate communities of color opportunities for them. You know, you poured drugs in the 90s. It was documented. A man from the San Jose Mercury News, a man by the name of Gary Webb, uncovered the hidden hand, the evil and wicked hand of the government under which we live and their role in pouring uh, the crack cocaine epidemic when it started. started out west in California and freeway uh, Ricky Ross. I had the pleasure of actually meeting that brother personally back in 2010. I actually had the pleasure of meeting uh, Brother Frank Lucas in the same year at Savior's Day. And those brothers told their story of what happened to them. And particularly Brother Rick Ross, he had a brush with the teachings in the prisons too. And it inspired him to learn how to read. And according to what he told me, and because he learned how to read, he read his case and he realized they had railroaded the man. So that's one of the reasons, but that's the main reason they don't want the nation of Islam and this message inside of the prisons because it has in it the kind of light where the prison essentially becomes a womb because it's a hostile environment and it's dark. And when the light comes in, that uh, veritable hellhole becomes a womb, a place of darkness where if those brothers would feed on the light, life and power that's found in the message and in the teaching, they will come to birth in a whole new way and on a whole new level. And that's what the enemy fears about the Nation of Islam's prison reform ministry because I can tell you, brothers and sisters, without hesitation, 
and I don't put my tongue in cheek and I don't back away from this. It's just real. I've met some of the best black men hidden away in them prison houses. I'm telling you, I've met some powerful brothers in the prison. And I have said to myself, if this brother gets this message rooted in his mind and heart, he will come out of this place and be a general. He will be a person of consequence because I always find it interesting, Brother Kenneth, is that the enemy, in my estimation, brother, they know who to love. They're very strategic. The principle in Scripture that says, smite the shepherd and scatter the flock, oh, they use that. They use that big time. They not, not only use it on national leaders, the ones that go above the noise level that uh, J. Edgar Hoover talked about that they target. They also target at the community level those brothers and sisters that they know that have that spark in them, that spark of genius, whereby they are gifted in a certain way that they just they just have something about them whereby they are magnetic and then they can organize and lead our people. So those are the jewels, uh, the lions in the den, in the lion's den, if you will, that we need to mine out. So, Brother Kenneth. Well, um, when you had brought up this particular uh, movement, um, yes, on three, and when you're talking, basically, uh, that language is in the 13th Amendment. And in the 13th Amendment, for those who may be unfamiliar, um, up a, prior to that, slavery was legal in the United States of America. And I don't know if they're teaching this or not, but we didn't come over here on the Mayflower. <laughs> we didn't come over here on the Nina, the Penta, the Santa Maria. No. Our ancestors came over here in the holes of ships. The Jesus of Lubeck. And when we came over here, we were the burden bearers to help build this great nation. And after the wars and all of those things, they gave us three amendments to, quote unquote, naturalize us because we didn't have any rights. We weren't citizens. At best, we were three-fifths of a human being. These things are written into the Constitution of the United States. And with the abolishment of slavery, you know, ending the Civil War and all of that, they said that slavery and involuntary servitude is abolished except, see, when it says except, that's a clause. Well, except what? When you are duly convicted. And so once you get duly convicted of a crime, then they can bring you back into slavery and involuntary servitude, whereas in these penal institutions, they can work you for nothing or work you for pennies on the dollar. There are things that you are deprived of. And so this is what this movement is about. It's in several states. It's picking up steam. You can vote on this. You can join the movement online at Vote Yes on 3 Tennessee. That's V-O-T-E-Y-E-S-O-N 3 T-N dot com. And these are the things that they're trying to do to get that language stricken from the state's constitution. And once it's stricken from the state's constitution, then we can start making a federal push. But the things are what they want to do. It says that slavery and voluntary servitude, it, it knocks out the trap door and just says are forever prohibited in this state. So yes on three. 
And this is a great movement. I've worked with uh, several individuals who are propagating that. And, and these particular people, free hogs, participatory defense, I mean, the bump down is real. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you're interested in this, again, join the movement online at VoteYesOn3Tennessee.com. That's VoteYesOn3Tennessee.com. Yes, sir. And shout out to Sister Jada X, who is an integral part of that. And I also want to send a shout out to Brother Benny. When you said, Brother, you were talking about a little bit earlier how when you came out, the things that happened, I see Brother Benny is on, so I want to send a shout-out to our dear Brother Benny Muhammad, or well, Benny, soon to be ex, I should say. I, I already gave Muhammad, Brother yes. <laughs> But that is that is certainly the goal, and that's uh, a blessing to be a part of, of watching a person come, you know, and to, I guess, meld themselves back into the society and become a stakeholder in something that's beneficial not just to them, but to all who it touches. So, brother, we are at 10 minutes after the hour of 8. We want to send some shout-outs to all of the brothers and sisters that have taken time out of their busy schedule to tune in to this edition of the Mississippi on the Move podcast. Again, I am your brother, Abdul Shahid, and we wanted to take tonight, and we're going to do this again leading up to that prison reform gala because this particular ministry has not had due attention that it really needs and deserves because we are at war and they are decimating our ranks, if you will, in the black community of black men and are taking away and making opportunities scarce uh, in our community. So unfortunately, many of our brothers resort to other means. As the minister said once uh, on on a lecture I was listening to, brother, he asked the brother, he said, brother, how much you make an hour? How much you bring home a week? A hundred and eight. No wonder you selling drugs. <laughs> you got four or five children on a salary like that. No wonder you selling drugs. And, and that's the reality that some of our people are facing. So if that is the case, if that kind of war is being waged against us, where it's decimating the male population in our community, then it would behoove us who have been blessed in this way to go after those brothers and sisters now because they've targeted our sisters now and they are decimating that uh, group as well. So we have to make an effort, brothers and sisters. It's on us. We got to accept the responsibility to do what we can. And if we do it, we'll we'll be doing exactly what Jesus asked us to do that's found in the book of Matthew, the 25th chapter. Minister unto the sick and visit those who are in the prison houses. So... Uh, that's why, brother, I really wanted to highlight this uh, tonight. It was on my heart when I looked in our final call. And brothers and sisters, make sure you go out and get this issue of the final call. And not just this issue, but every issue. You heard the, uh, the uh, commercial break, that final call newspaper. Make sure you download the uh, final call radio app to your smartphone, and you can hear the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan 24-7 because that is the man that I was blessed to hear that awakened me to the knowledge of self, and it caused me to not waste time anymore. It caused me to understand the proper use of my life, my gifts, and my talents. And I use all of that to praise as a praise of God, as they say in the church. Well, what is what do we mean a praise of God? Not just a praise in that I sing and play an instrument, but a praise in the sense that we engage in a work that benefits others. That's the work that we call the resurrection 
of the dead. Brother Kenneth, man, we're, we're on the downslope now. We're about 13 minutes after the hour of 8 p.m. More about this uh, prison reform gala. Uh, the response, brother, has been exceptional, to say the least. Uh, I'm starting to get uh, people inquiring about it, of course. I shoot them the flyer, ask them to contact other brothers that we've met and that we've crossed paths, let them know what's going on. You know, and if they can, you know, they're in different parts of the country. Uh, brother Ty hit me the other day, and there was a brother that hit me the other day that named Brother Curtis. Uh, he ain't, He's not available yet, but suffice it to say, brother, this thing has, has gained some serious momentum and the expectations are high. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And it is a, a worthy event. And again, we're highlighting the Nation of Islam Prison Reform Ministry. But while we're doing that, we are celebrating and commemorating uh, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan's student national prison reform minister, Brother Abdullah Muhammad, for his 32 years of service, 32 years of dedication and commitment uh, for those of us who found ourselves in the belly of the beast. Uh, it's going to be a, a black tie affair where you can dress up, bring out your significant other. Uh, the food is going to be uh, out of this world. It's going to be done by the personal chef herself, Sister Carolyn. Uh, congratulations on the new food truck, too, sis. I yeah, see you're doing I well. You're doing well, yes. Oh, yes, yes. And the food is going to be fantastic. Uh, we're going to have many people coming in from all over the country. So you want to get your tickets now before they're all gone. Yes, sir. And you want to go ahead and jump on this. Also, there's going to be a souvenir ad program. You got a business? Mm -hmm. Man, put your ad in there. Mm -hmm. You see? Uh, if you got a personal message or a testimony or story that you think uh, people uh, will read and find interesting and be inspired by, uh, take out a full-page ad for $100 or a half-page for $50. Do that. If you want to make a donation, you can donate to the Nation of Islam Prison Reform Ministry. You can use your cell at 901-506-7306, or you can cash out at dollar sign N-O-I-P-R-N. If you want to call and get more information, uh, here's a number you can call. It's 901-426-4036, 901-426-4036. If you need more information, call that number if you want to make a donation. But by all means, support it. Tell a friend. All of us have been impacted by incarceration. This is the new Jim Crow, as Michelle Alexander said. All of us know someone or have a family member or have done time ourselves. The statistics say that one in every three black person is incarcerated. The statistics say we're nearly 40% of the incarcerated population. And these things are not interdependent. They're connected. Okay, we're talking about voting, right? Mm -hmm. You know you lose your voting rights mm -hmm. once you become duly convicted? All the so they strip entire communities almost, Brother Shahid, yes, of the right to pick and choose who represents them in government. And but didn't the American colonists have a uh, grievance with King George? And one of their grievances was taxation without representation. And so there are many of us, when we come out, they don't even restore your rights here in Tennessee. No, sir. It's like you got a debt that you can never, ever pay. Mm -hmm. And that is a burden. 
well, you, you are legally marginalized with housing. I didn't even know you couldn't even yeah. have life insurance. Yeah. I mean, all that of these things. That blew my mind, yeah, I, I mean, you know, it was very difficult. It can't took, live where you want It to. took a while. You can't live where you want to. Can't work certain jobs. Mm-hmm. You mean, you've done all your time and you still, you're, you're still, still being paying punished. Your still being punished. And so after a while, the weak-minded person, a person that just, you know, just throw their hands up and mm-hmm. say, you know, we stopped trying. Mm-hmm. But it's the Nation of Islam Prison Reform Ministry creed is this and it's given to us by the honorable minister lewis farcon the question is asked what is true prison reform he says true prison reform starts Mm -hmm. with the enlightenment of who the inmate is in reality Mm -hmm. and not what he or she has become because of circumstances that word true prison reform reconnects the soul to its creator then, this is big, then it provides those human needs. Mm. And then you see a change in attitude, which leads to behavioral change. It provides the human needs. You see, freedom, justice, equality, mm-hmm. love, peace, and happiness, brotherhood, unity. Humanizes you. All knowledge, wisdom, understanding. These are human needs. Mm-hmm. And so when you provide that, that is when true prison reform takes place it doesn't start when you walk through those gates see freedom is not geography in as much it is psychology yes sir see free your mind and then everything else will follow so come on out support the nation of islam prison reform ministry support the fourth annual prison reform gala where we are commemorating 32 years of service for student minister abdullah muhammad uh, show your love for a man that has dedicated most of his entire life in a cause that is bigger than himself yes sir and you know brother kenneth man i would like to give brother abdullah on this program i want the people to hear from the brother uh, it's been on my mind for quite some, really since we actually started. Uh, well, since you started um, preparing for the gala, it's been in my mind, hopefully, that the brother would have an opportunity to come on so we can introduce him to the audience. So we'll see about that. Uh, God willing, if he so desires to come and grace us with his presence, his plate, I know is full. There's a lot of things going on. And I tell you, brothers and sisters, uh, we're in a time now <laughs> as you see things happening in the world. I don't know whether or not we've paid attention uh, to what's been happening uh, in the news, not that I want to shift gears in that direction, but there's a lot going on all the way from water crisis. That is the headline of this issue of the final call. The Alma Lewis Farrakhan has warned us uh, and warning our brothers and sisters in Mississippi that what you saw happening in Flint, With regard to the water, the same thing is happening in Mississippi. And what this is prompting us, and hopefully we should understand by now, we have to begin to look out for ourselves, brothers and sisters. We have to begin to unite and do something for ourselves, or as the Honorable Elijah Muhammad says, before we have it to do, which means that you should have been busy working the whole time before the evil accident of the fall of this nation that we're in, America, gets to its zenith to where we're forced to do what we should have been doing all along. And you know how it is when you're forced to do something, it's very, very uncomfortable, but you still got to do it because it has to be done. 
and you're hearing about uh, what's going on with Mr. Putin. He's making threats. Well, as Jesus said, wars and rumors of wars, we're seeing it. And I know some of us may be sitting and saying, ah, man, that's been going on for decades and centuries or whatever, whatever, whatever. Okay, well, you could take that posture if you so desire. But all of these signs, brothers and sisters, are pointing to the fact that we as a people have to begin to look at the issues of our lives and look at the things that will improve our life outcomes. And we have to take the responsibility and shoulder the responsibility to do something about it, not just talk about it, but do something about it. And this particular ministry, the prison reform ministry, has in it and has a record, a track record, of being able to reform our people and they come out and make a meaningful contribution to the evolving cause of our liberation. This ministry started with the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. When he was incarcerated in 42, served five years, and it was him, as soon as he landed in prison, he began to teach. And the rest is history. I mean, we can go through it, what his experience was, and many of the brothers were locked away with him. And in the prison system, it was the nation of Islam. It was that message among the men that made the brothers and the FOI of that time stand out. There was a distinction between them in terms of their presence, their demeanor, their discipline that set them apart from the regular inmate, if you will, that had not been exposed to the teachings of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And it made the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and those with him magnetic. And it drew our brothers and sisters that were in at that time to them and ultimately to the message. And although the Honorable Elijah Muhammad left some five years later, the message stayed in the prison because it became ingrained and it took root in many of those that were there. And the, uh, the things that the, the ill treatment and some of the uh, violation of the brothers and sisters' rights, they began to contest it and successfully win something as simple as a diet that was conducive and in line with what we believed because we didn't eat pork. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, I remember him writing that they would force uh, the Muslims at that time to eat uh, the divinely prohibited swine flesh. And over time, those battles were won. So brothers and sisters, we're about seven minutes out from landing this plane. We certainly thank everyone for tuning in and thank my brother, Brother Kenneth, for uh, sharing with us uh, his experience and how the teachings, uh, the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad didn't allow his experience to define him, but he got hold of something, a light, that we want to share with every brother and sister that's in a similar circumstance and even those that are not in the, uh, the literal circumstance of being incarcerated, as we alluded to and stated earlier, many of us are locked up. Even though we're not in a prison, we are mentally in prison, we're emotionally in prison, we're imprisoned by some kind of substance, we're imprisoned in un unhealthy relationships, we're in all kinds of prisons. In fact, America has been a 2,000 by 3,000 mile proverbial prison for us in that we've always had somebody uh, prescribing or giving to us the diameter of our knowledge. And this is why we use these axioms at the beginning of our program, because they want to dictate the circumference of our activity. 
And that's why they don't want this teaching among us, brothers and sisters. And that's why they will always, always demonize and uh, try to make us to believe that the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan is some man that we should not listen to. As a matter of fact, in New York right now, they haven't changed one bit. As a brother with the Black Lives Matter movement, and the city asked him to do a mural. And it's in this issue of the final call. Y'all go read about it. Asked the brother to paint a mural. They funded it. The city funded it. And as soon as they found out that he was going to put a picture of the minister up there, along with in the pantheon of black people who struggle for our liberation, that's what they asked him to do. But everybody but Farrakhan, no, we, you can't put him in there. And these people are so sick in their hatred for the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. It's not really him. If you really look at it, it's really not him. What they don't like and what they fear and feel threatened by is what's in his mouth. That message that has produced the men and women that have called in and given their testimony, brothers and sisters like myself, that realize that our life has to mean something as it relates to raising the level of consciousness of our people. So as many uh, have called in and as my brother Kenneth sitting across from me has shared, uh, this teaching gives us the kind of aim and purpose of life that we begin uh, to share our gifts and talents with our people in such a way that it begins to aid in the process of bringing us out of the terrible condition that many of us find us in. And it's a hard work too, ain't it, bro? <laughs> oh, yes, sir. But it's a labor of love. It's a labor of love. It's, it's a labor rough. of love, but... Uh, the thing, you know, you'll find is you're not going to get a lot of kudos, pat on the backs, whatnot, but it's worthwhile. And uh, those facilities and institutions that are constantly making us jump through hoops and whatnot, I'm going to leave with this, brother, and, and this will put a pin in it for me. In the Holy Quran, it teaches us that they desire to put out the light of Allah with their mouths. But Allah will perfect his life, though the disbelievers are adverse. He it is who has sent his messenger with the guidance and the religion of truth and will make it overcome all religions, though the polytheists be adverse. Yes, sir. And with that said, we're going to part the night with a cultural segment. Yeah, we're going to play a little something we want you to hear. As we get ready to sign off, this is coming from our brother Hashim Hakim in the Nation of Islam in his latest CD. This one is called Slavery is a Choice. It is now because there's so much information out here that we don't have to be slaves anymore. Listen to our brother Hashim Hakim.
out slavery for 400 years. For 400 years? That's not like a choice. <laughs> like, you was there for 400 years and it's all of y'all? I learned my lesson from a star and Chris as an adolescent. Once was loud, but now I'm found no longer guessing. My true confession, if they come for me, just wanted to save my people and see us free. See how y'all drive up with y'all guns now for barbecuing in parks and sleeping on couches. Am I a citizen? Am I a resident? Why y'all keep killing my people with no hesitance? I'm starting to think y'all don't want peace. Y'all just want us to leave. Y'all don't want us to breathe. So anybody can come and say this or that and put us under investigation for being black. And through talking to y'all. Now I'm talking to us, black God protocol. In God I trust. I respect your religion and what you believe in. But we must unite to stop the bleeding. And we're uniting, we can beat our history. We unite and we can be on the street. Slavery is a choice. Today it is a choice. Slavery is a choice. Today it is a choice. If we unite and we can be on the street. If we unite and we can be on the street. Slavery is a choice. Today it is a choice. Slavery is a choice. Today it is a choice. Say we'll be alright in a minute. Just have to learn how to love again. We'll be Have to learn how to love again. We'll be alright in a minute. Just have to learn how to love again. We'll be alright in a minute. Just have to learn how to love again. Our ancestors died. And some survived. Sandra Bland died. Rose Campbell's alive. And she was 65. Low down, dirty guys. Drug her from her car. Ignored her cry. Same story, same song. Let me answer Rodney King. We will never get along. Add it up. Y'all do the math. This is America on your black ass. And I might add, they may try to debunk me. Debunk that chief rabbi that called us monkeys. Gang bangers and junkies. Killers and thieves. No, these are human beings that need to be redeemed. Family business. This is for us, black God protocol, in God I trust. I respect your religion and what you believe in. We must unite to stop the bleeding. If we unite, we can be our history. If we unite, we can be our history. Slavery is a choice. Today it is a choice. Slavery is a choice. Today it is a choice. If we unite, we can be our history. Then we can be on the street. Slavery is a choice. Today it is a choice. Slavery is a choice. Today it is a choice. Then we'll be alright in a minute. Just have to learn how to love again. We'll be alright in a minute. Just have to learn how to love again. We'll be alright in a minute. Just have to learn how to love again. When you hear about slavery for 400 years, for 400 years, that sounds like a choice. <laughs> like, you was there for 400 years and it's all of y'all?
Yes, that was our brother Hashim Hakim. Brothers and sisters, that's going to do it for this evening. We're going to land this plane, and we want to thank everyone for tuning in for this edition of the Mississippi on the Move podcast. And we leave you as we came before you, as always, with the greeting words of peace of Assalamu Alaikum. Mississippi on the move. Let's go. Mississippi. Oh.